Yudchet Kislev Tafshin Ayin Vav coming to you live and marking our third anniversary of live broadcast from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs> Open things up with Kachai Baemza off of their live performance, the last concert of Pugi from uh, summer two years ago. We opened it up. We open up the Israel show's third anniversary with a great Pugi number. So many great Pugi fans who are listening to our show, and we thank you so much. Welcome, one and all. Welcome in to. This week's edition of the Israel Show. It is our third anniversary. We are beginning the fourth year of live broadcasts, weekly broadcasts, almost uninterrupted, I would say. 
here and there we've had to take off for Chag or for the nine days and once in a very long while for a little breather vacation. But otherwise, we're here with you each and every week, immediately following Jamie and the AM Monday mornings in New York, 9 a.m., Monday afternoons in Israel, 4 p.m. Israel time, and wherever you are, whenever you want to listen on demand via the Nachum Siegel Network website, nachumsegel.com, the Nachum Siegel Network app, which is available free, of course, for iTunes and for Android, and uh, as well, you can download it, podcast the show through iTunes, just do a search for The Israel Show. Thanks so much for joining us and making us a part of your week. We have a great show planned. We're going to talk about the wedding, the wedding. We've been talking about the wedding, actually. Um, we were probably one of the first to discuss the very sad case of the Littman family, the father and family driving to the Ufra, father and oldest son, Netanel, Yaakov and Netanel Lippmann, killed, murdered, murdered by a Palestinian Arab terrorist. The uh, the Kala, instead of going to the wedding, sat Shiva, rescheduled the wedding. We'll talk all about it. We'll remind you the details that we've been discussing, and we'll share with you some of the audio from the wedding that did take place this past Thursday night in Israel. It was very, very special. And um, we have that. Yesterday was Haftet November, which is the way Israelis... <laughs> I don't know why it's Haftet November. Either you use the Hebrew date or you use the English date and you say uh, 29th of November. But why Haftet November? I, I don't know. I have to do a little research on that. But anyway, it was... In 1947, the day that the United Nations granted, I, I, here's the way I would put it, and here's the way I did put it on uh, on the promo on the Facebook page that we posted uh, yesterday. It was the day the UN passed Resolution 181 creating international recognition of a Jewish state in Eretz Israel, a sovereign Jewish state in Eretz Israel, for the first time since the Maccabees. So yes, it's an amazing anniversary, and we'll talk about what led up to it. Many people don't understand it. It's called a partition plan. People don't get what that means. What was it supposed to be? What happened on 29 November? Why is that different than 15th of May? Hey, ER, 1948, which is when the state was declared. We'll, we'll try and clarify some of that. We also have great new music and a lot of classic music. Um, Idan Reichel has a brand new song called Lifneshi Gamer. Why don't we go right there now? It's um, a single that they we in Israel. This is the way it works. I don't, maybe it works this way in America too. In Israel, as artists, famous artists are working on new albums, they release songs one at a time onto Facebook and onto the uh, airwaves. And then when the album comes out, the album comes out. Well, this is the second single that is released by Idan Reichel from his album that is coming out on December the 3rd. This one is called um, Lifneshi Gamer. It's really beautiful song and the message is very simple. Get 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 your life experiences in. Don't wait. Take advantage of every day Lifneshi Gamer before it all ends. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Here is Idan Reichel with a brand new Hat off the presses, Lifneshi Gamer. Lo lefachad leitaev shi shaver alav lo lefachad baderech leamer lekum kol boker velatzet elachayim ulenasot akol lifneshi gamer. לחפש מאיפה בנו ולחזור בסוף תמיד להתחלה למצוא בכל דבר עוד יופי ולרקוד עד שנופלים מעייפות או עבר מכל הרגעים בזמן למצוא אחד לאחוז בו להגיד שהגענו 
תמיד לזכור לרגע לעצור ולהודות על מה שיש ומאיפה שבאנו. לחבק אותה בלילה, כשהיא נרדמת אז כל העולם נרגע. לנשום אותה עמוק לדעת שתמיד אני אהיה שם בשבילה. לא לפחד להתאהב שישבר הלב, לא לפחד בדרך להיאבד. לקום כל בוקר ולצאת על החיים ולנסות הכל לפני שייגמר. לחפש מאיפה באנו ולחזור בסוף תמיד להתחלה. למצוא בכל דבר עוד יופי ולרקוד עד שנופלים מעייפות או אהבה. מכל הרגעים בזמן למצוא אחד לאחוז בו, להגיד שהגענו. תמיד לזכור לרגע לעצור ולהודות על מה שיש ומאיפה שבאנו. לחבק אותה בלילה כשהיא נרדמת אז כל העולם נרגע. לנשום אותה עמוק לדעת שתמיד אני אהיה שם בשבילה. ולחזור בסוף תמיד להתחלה. למצוא בכל דבר עוד יופי ולרקוד עד שנופלים מעייפות או אהבה. מכל הרגעים בזמן למצוא אחד לאחוז בו, להגיד שהגענו. תמיד לזכור לרגע לעצור ולהודות על מה שיש ומאיפה שבאנו. לחבק אותה בלילה, כשהיא נרדמת אז כל העולם נרגע. לנשום אותה עמוק לדעת שתמיד אני אהיה שם בשבילה. מכל הרגעים בזמן למצוא אחד לאחוז בו, להגיד שהגענו. תמיד לזכור לרגע לעצור ולהודות על מה שיש ומאיפה שבאנו. לחבק אותה בלילה, כשהיא נרדמת אז כל העולם נרגע. לנשום אותה עמוק לדעת שתמיד אני אהיה שם בשבילה. לפני שיגמר, brand new, hot off the presses, and that is from the album of his, a new album that is coming out on December the 3rd. We, of course, will bring you more music from the album as it comes out. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thanks so much for joining us. So, on Friday, November the 3rd, the Littman family were traveling from their home in Kiryat Arba to the Afruf of their future son-in-law, Ariel Beigel, in Meitar, which is south of Hebron, south of Otniel. And as they were on the road near the town of Otniel, in Eretz Yehuda, an Arab murderer, waited for them, ambushed them, shot at the car, killed the two front seat passengers. The father, who was in the passenger seat, was killed first, murdered first. Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov Litman, and then his son, who was driving the Tanel, 18 years old, was killed as well. In the back, the mother and the younger children Thank God we're saved, probably due to the fact that the gun that the murderer terrorist was using jammed and he ran away. And we discussed all this 
at length after it happened, the Monday after it happened, we spoke about the Red Crescent ambulance that passed by and didn't stop and told them to call emergency, the equivalent of 911. We spoke about how Sarah Tchia Litman, who was at home in Kiryat Arba for her Shabbat Kala with all her friends, heard about the terrible news and the following Tuesday, November the 17th, she was to be married. Of course, instead of that, she was sitting Shiva with her family, having buried her father and her brother. We also told you that this incredible family then rescheduled the wedding for the Thursday after they got up from Shiva that would was in America Thanksgiving Day the 26th of November I believe it was uh, what was it Yudalit Kislev I think and um, yeah and uh, I don't remember if we spoke about it on the air or if it was released just after we got off the air and we posted it on our Facebook page, they put out an invitation in which they asked all of Am Yisrael to join them. They said all of Am Yisrael was with us in our sorrow. Shake off the dirt and the dust, get up and rejoice. And they asked everyone to join them. And the word started spreading, and sometimes these things just have a life of their own, and it is beyond amazing as the more and more people heard about it through social media. People heard about this call to come to the wedding. And I was thinking that it reminded me, during the last war in Aza, where we had the opposite, Lahavdil where lone soldiers were killed, Max Steinberg, Sean Carmelli, Sean Carmelli actually was the first one, and we we got that message from social media just as we were going off the air on that particular Monday, and we announced it, not knowing what the result would be that night. We're, we're 10,000 or more people came to his funeral. I think it was 20,000 actually. And similar numbers. A day or two later at Max Steinberg's funeral. So now with an opportunity that Am Yisrael doesn't only have to go to funerals of people they don't know to show solidarity. Here was the Littman Beigel family inviting everybody to a simcha to rejoice with people who they don't know. And to show that Am Yisrael Chai, that the murderers, the terrorists, will not get the best of us, that we will persevere. And that was the hope of the family. And it was clear to, I think, everybody who knows how things work now in Israel, that there would be a large crowd at the wedding. In fact, the family, the invited guests, there were 750, I believe, invited guests. The the um, the late father of the bride was a teacher in the elementary school in Kiryat Arba, so I'm assuming most of Kiryat Arba was invited. And the Chatan's father, turns out, is the rabbi of the uh, city of Meitar in the Negev. So... It was going to be a large wedding, and from what I understood, 750 invited guests, which is pretty, pretty big. Um, and they invited, the wedding was going to start, I believe it's uh, 6 or 7 o'clock Israel time, the chuppah. Then they invited everybody to join them at 10.30 for the dancing and the, and the sibachat chatan v'kala. I'm assuming that if you're listening to this show, you already know that the police estimates put the crowd at 15,000 people. 15,000 people. Not only that, some very inventive soul, I I believe it was uh, the Federation in Atlanta, set up a live hookup so that everyone can really participate, everyone can participate by 
by um, having a live feed to the Chupa. And uh, I know I, I was tuned in, and I'm sure many, many thousands of others were tuned in to the live feed, watching this emotional Chupa, where the mother of the bride, who just lost her husband, the bride who just lost her father, of course, the mother also lost a son, and and the bride lost a, a brother. How they were holding back tears very often, and yet smiling and rejoicing, and simcha and and etzev were were mixed with each other. And and after the chupa was over, just to see the bride hugging her mother and how they held on to each other for a long embrace. It was just so moving. We're going to go to some music, and after we come back, we'll play for you uh, two clips from the wedding. And um, I learned something from one of those clips, and I'll share that with you as well. Uh, brand new music. This is from Etal Kalika and Ofer Chayun. It's a remake of a classic that was originally sung by Eric Einstein, whose second Yorzite is now, and that's why this song was released in uh, in honor of the second Yorzite of Eric Einstein. The words are by Chaim Nachman Bialik. Miki Gavrielov wrote the music. It's a classic of Israeli music, and this is a very beautiful remake. Hachnisini. Tachat Knafech. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
brand new from Eital Kalika and Ofer Chayun Hachnisini Tachat Knafech in memory of uh, Arik Einstein, whose second uh, Yorzeit is coming up at this time. So we were telling you about the wedding, the wedding where 15,000 people actually showed up. It was a most amazing scene. We'll, we posted and we'll post again. You can watch the chuppah. It's still that, what was the live feed is still online. And we'll talk about it in a moment, but what was even more amazing was what came after when, according to police estimates, 15,000, 15,000 people. It really can only happen in Israel. That's the truth. 15,000 strangers, quote unquote. People who didn't know the Chatan and Kalah personally came to Yerushalayim from all over the country. There was obviously no room for them inside. And so in the huge plaza outside of Binyaneha Uma, which is the convention center, is a very big plaza. Those of you who know Yerushalayim, it's at the entrance to Yerushalayim, not far from the central bus station. It's a landmark. These, these 15,000 people were dancing and singing and rejoicing outside and every few minutes they would let a few hundred people inside to dance and then they would ask if you've danced with the Chatan and Kalan you're not an invited guest please leave and let the next batch in and ultimately they weren't even going to finish we weren't going to be able to let everybody in so they had the Chatan and Kala come out for a few minutes and dance with everybody outside it was a most amazing, amazing thing. And of course, dignitaries came. Sarah Netanyahu was there. I'm sure the Prime Minister would have come, if not for the fact that when he comes, forget about it. you got to close down the whole place for security reasons. But Sarah Netanyahu was there. Ministers were there. Uh, important rabbis were there. It was just an amazing unity. A uniting force of Simcha for, for Am Yisrael. And you give credit to the family that they thought about this and that they encouraged people to do this and there's a certain charisma that they have, this young couple. They were on television both beforehand and during and after the wedding. They were interviewed and they really shone. They really did. So I wanted to share with you two two very emotional moments from the wedding itself. Um, the first was there's a minhag, well, we all know the minhag of breaking the glass under the chuppah. In America, although that's changing, in America, you used to break the glass and everybody would scream mazel tov and, 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 and break out in joyous dance and singing. But that sort of defeats the purpose. And so, many, many years ago, decades ago in Israel, I already saw this. Before breaking the glass, the Chatan would say, Meshkachech Yerushalayim, break the glass, and then everyone would sing together, Imeshkachech Yerushalayim Tishkachimini, which is the reason for breaking the glass. We break the glass to remember the Churban Beit HaMikdash. Um, I believe that the reason is that we take something that is dear to us, a crystal or something, and we shatter it, and in a way, that moment when we shatter that valuable item, if you will, our heart sort of gives a little jolt with all the joyousness that we have, with all the celebration. We have a moment in which we're jolted into a feeling, a sense of loss. Remember that we're not complete that we're not complete until the Beit HaMikdash is built, and so it is Zecher Lachurban that we do this, and so it is obviously very appropriate to sing in Yerushalayim, and that the breaking the glass doesn't become this moment of joy, it's actually a moment of sorrow. And and this Minhag, I think, as, as people have spent more time in Israel, gone back and forth more, so many minhagim are transferred from one place to the next, and this is one of them, and I see it more and more at weddings here as well. But there's another minhag that, that some people have, which is to take some ashes and put it on the forehead of the chatan, and the ashes also to remind you the burning of the Beit HaMikdash. And um, the term for it, which I wasn't familiar with, is called efer 
makle. Efer is uh, ashes. And makle is like kali, toasted, if you will, burnt. And it's based on, uh, it's brought in the Gemara in Bava Batra, Daf Samech, that uh, we, we can't spend our whole lives mourning for the Beit HaMikdash, but we also can't forget it. And so when we do things that are happy and joyous, we always set aside something that reminds us of the Beit HaMikdash being destroyed and that we are not yet complete. So the Gemara talks about when you paint your house, you leave an ama on an ama near the entrance so that people can see it when they walk in. That is also a minhag that was picked up in Israel over the last decades and slowly I see it transferred to the United States. It says that a person makes a big feast, leave one small item out of the menu. When a woman puts on her jewelry, she leaves off one of the jewels and the reason for it the Gemara says is the Pasuk in Tehillimi Meshkachech Yerushalayim Tishkach Yemini if I forget the O Yerushalayim my right hand should lose the ability to function then the Gemara asks my Arosh Simchati what does that mean Arosh Simchati on the head of my Simcha Amar Rabbi Yitzchak Ze Efer Makleh Shebarosh Chatanim and that's the source of putting this, um, these ashes on the forehead of the chatan. And they do it just before he breaks the glass. Now, where do you put this, and where do you rub the ashes? So if Papa says, on the place where you put the tefillin. And without going into all the details now, he quotes a pasuk. In Yeshayahu, Lasum la Avelation, La Tetlaim Peer, Tachat Efer. That in, in times to come, when the final redemption and the full redemption is here, God will give those who mourn Sion, He will give them Peer instead of Efer. So Efer is mourning, and Peer, one could understand it as a head covering or other forms, but Chazal understand Peer also as being tefillin. And therefore, you put it on the makom of the tefillin. And the Gemara continues there. Anyone who mourns for Yerushalayim will see in its rejoicing. And although we haven't seen the final rejoicing, boy, did we see rejoicing at that wedding. We should rejoice with it, all those who mourn for it. So at this at this wedding, Rabbi Eisenman was invited to, as a kibbutz, to put the ashes on the forehead of the, or the, the makom tefillin, the place where they put the tefillin of the chatan. And you'll hear the announcer say that they mixed in with the ashes, some of the dirt from the ground near Otniel, where Yaakov and Etanel Litman were murdered. And he says, it was ground that was soaked with their blood. And that was just such a moving moment for me. I just couldn't deal with that. And here at this moment of great joy, we of course mourn the Beit HaMikdash, but we mourn something that happened just ten days before with the killing of the father of the Kala and the Chatan. In the Efer Makle is some of the ground soaked in blood. Here is that clip where you hear the person who invites people up explain what is happening.
And another very moving moment at the wedding was when the Chatan said, as he broke the glass under the chuppah, and you hear in his voice, wow, you hear in his voice how he was literally crying as he was saying it. So here is the Chatan Ariel Beigel under the chuppah, saying and we of course join in the tens of thousands that wish them the greatest the greatest of simcha may their life continue to be filled with joy we also discussed the GoFundMe campaign and we'll post a link to that as well where people can contribute to the uh, to the young couple they raised over $15,000 so far which hopefully will go a long way to help the uh, Chatan and the Kala in uh, in their as they start life in the difficult situation that they are in. <laughs> Snup with him, Eshkachich, as we spoke about the wedding, and we'll 
Also remind you that the Israel Show, my name is Mayor Wangan, you are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network, and the Israel Show is sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh, and at the wedding, our dear friend, the King of Schlock, Mr. Schlockrock himself, Lenny Solomon, put out a few quick videos that he, on his Facebook page, which which were just awesome. You saw the excitement as Lenny, as only Lenny can get excited about certain things in a certain way, and as part of our as part of our message about Nefesh Benefesh, the sponsor of our show, I want to play for you Lenny Solomon as heard at the wedding outside. And I, I, I don't believe he ever made it inside, and I think he references that on one of the videos. He put out several of them from outside. He says, I don't think we're going to ever get in, but it doesn't really matter. So here's Lenny Solomon at the wedding, outside of the wedding, excited, rejoicing, and celebrating the Achtut of Am Yisrael. Hi, this is Lenny Solomon from Schlock Rock, and we are at the greatest wedding of the century. Take a look behind me. Take a look. There's 10,000 people right here outside, and we haven't even gotten inside yet. I don't even know if we're going to get inside, but that's not important. What's important is all of our Israel is here. The Kala invited us, and we all came. Because there's only one place to be that's with our Israel. All of you in Chutz Lawrence, get your things and move here. I love it, Lenny Solomon. All of you in Chutzlaretz, just get your things and move here. And he's right. Lenny is right. There's only one place that that could happen. That kind of mass, massive solidarity where people will come, 15,000 people will come to rejoice with a Chatan and Kala who they don't know. That really can only happen in Israel. And Nefesh Benefesh is an organization that has committed itself for that one purpose of helping people make Aliyah. So listen to Lenny Solomon, to Nefesh Benefesh, to, uh, to the Torah, to most of the Rishonim, to, to, to many, Tanoim and Amorim and the Gemara. Pick yourselves up and let us, and I include myself, and let us all go to Israel. Go to Nefesh Benefesh website, www.nbn.org.il, nbn.org.il. This show is proud to be sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh, revolutionizing Aliyah. Okay, we, we, uh, seem to have one thing consistent from week to week now is that we run out of time. <laughs> we just don't have enough time to discuss everything and play all the songs that we wanted to play. And it's becoming, uh, I don't know, I don't know how to deal with it. We don't want to, obviously, we don't want to make the show longer than it is. But um, I don't know, have to have less topics maybe. Or speak faster. One of the two. Uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about Chavtet in November. Give you a little background of the history of that day. But before that, I want to mention two things. One is that yesterday I heard that in Israel, November the 29th, I don't know if it's the, on the English date or the Hebrew date, I have to look into it, is a day of appreciation for Israel Defense Forces soldiers who were injured in battle. Pitzu'ei Tzahal. Sometimes they're called Nechei Tzahal, but I think they like the word Pitzu'ei Tzahal better, those injured of Tzahal. And that's a day that uh, the State of Israel salutes them and remembers. And we should also remember, we often speak about the soldiers that were killed, and obviously that's the ultimate sacrifice. But there are, I don't know the number, I'm sure it's tens of thousands of men and women who were injured in battle and suffer for the rest of their lives either with a certain level of handicap whether in wheelchairs or others with tremendous pain some of them with post-traumatic stress disorder PTSD called in Hebrew Helen Krav making their life what is the rest of their life, in some cases, a living hell. So it is important for us to remember them. And it seems that yesterday was the day that Israel did so, so we'll mention it now. And Lahavdil, 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 a mazel tov to our dear friends, Shoshi Zamek, who announced her engagement this past Motzei Shabbos to Kenny Ru, mazel tov to her parents, also our very dear friends, Rochelle and Mark Zamek. 
uh, of Teaneck, New Jersey. We go back a very long way and um, a heartfelt Mazal Tov. It is so exciting for us to be celebrating together. So let's do uh, as much as we can, somewhat of a shortened version of this. I don't know how much. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to think. I'm thinking out loud, ladies and gentlemen, with you live, trying to figure out how we do this. Well, we'll start, and if we don't finish, we'll continue this on a future show. What's important to understand is that before the First World War, let's say, if you t- took a look at a map of the Middle East at the end of the 1800s, the beginning of the 1900s, the entire area of, of what we call the Near East, the Middle East, which includes what is today Israel, what is today Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, Saudi Arabia, Iraq. There were no countries there. That entire area was one big space, one big territory where various different groups lived, tribes different factions of Islam. Of course, in Eretz Israel, there was always a small population of Jews. There were Shiite, there were Sunnis, there were Alawites, there were different clans led by um, sheikhs, Arab tribes, nomads. But there were no countries there. It was all controlled by, believe it or not, Turkey. At that time, it was called the Ottoman Empire. Today, the um, the inheritor, if you will, is uh, is the country that we know as Turkey. But World War One changed that whole thing. The Allies, the United States, Britain, and France, the main allies, ended up capturing this whole area. Britain, they themselves an empire that had a lot of interests in the area because they colonized parts of Africa, including Egypt at the time. The British did a great con job on, on everybody. During the war, they had to have as many allies as they could to defeat the Ottoman Empire. And so they went around to the different factions and the different groups, the different heads of the different clans, the House of Saud, for example, the Hashemites, and made promises to them, if you help us fight the Turks, the Ottomans, then after the war is over and we win, we will give you a share of the spoil, meaning we'll give you territory. And they did the same to the Jews in what we know as the Balfour Declaration during the war in which they said they made a promise to the Jewish people that they will support founding a Jewish homeland in Palestine. After the war is over, everybody sort of realizes that the British promised the same thing to different people. Imagine if you sold your house and then you sold it to someone else. Well, then you'd have two rather angry people, and so that's what we had. And then the British sat down with the Americans and the rest of the Allies, and uh, in San Remo, they came to a different conclusion. I'm sorry, before that, there was the French and the British sat and divided up the territories themselves, called the uh, um, Pico... I'm I'm blanking on one of the names, the Sykes-Picot, that's it, the Sykes-Picot Treaty, in which they divided up the Middle East. They drew borders, and at this peace conference, after World War I, the Allies sat around and decided who's going to get what, what territory. They took a ruler, take a look at the borders of Jordan, of, uh, of Iraq, of Syria, mostly they're just straight lines. They took a ruler, drew lines, no no concern about who are included, which groups, whether they're factions that like each other or not. In fact, the reason the Middle East today is falling apart 
is all rooted in this particular time after World War One, when the British went and created a country called Iraq. But in that country, they put various, they put Sunnis and Shia and Kurds, and then they created a country called Syria and created a country called Jordan and Saudi Arabia. These are all countries, by the way. Jordan was created in 1927. Why does everybody feel that they have the right to exist, but Israel doesn't? And so the British really are to blame for this whole mess. And one of the things that came out of the peace conference after World War One was called the British Mandate. Basically, the world said to the British Commonwealth, the British Empire at the time, the world said, look, you guys know how to run things. You're now, you have a temporary uh, responsibility. You have a temporary uh, um, rule. You will have temporary rule over this area with the thought, with the goal, that at the end there will be a Jewish state. But right now, it's not ready for there to be a state. So you will administer this territory. They got it. Like it's it's on loan, so to speak, but for you to use it in in the way that we will head toward the goal of establishing a Jewish state. And basically, the British did what the West has been doing since then, capitulated to terrorism. The Arabs that lived in the area just constantly terrorized through violence and murder and pogroms terrorized the Jews and the British, and so the British just kept caving and caving and gave in and gave in and gave in. And in the 1940s, they caved in so much that they banned Jews almost entirely from coming into the... They minimized their quotas to such a small number that Jews ultimately couldn't leave Europe and come to the land of Israel because the British... Yes, the British were so afraid of the Arab violence that they blocked the immigration of Jews to the land of Israel, called the White Paper. And the problem kept festering because they didn't know how to deal with it. And so, finally, when, after World War II, the UN was established, the British said to the UN, you know what, we can't deal with this anymore. I know we were given this to to administer it and to create a, a we can't deal with it and so this committee and it's not was not the first one UNSCOP was formed in order to come to the United Nations with a suggestion of how to solve this problem and so their suggestion was well we'll take this tiny little land that was left at that point which was what is today Israel including Yehudan Shomron because the part of Israel that was also part of Israel, which is now Jordan, was already lopped off. And so this tiny little sliver of land that was supposed to go to the Jews, that too now gets divided. And it gets divided into eight parts, eight little parts. You have to see a map of what it would have looked like. Of the eight parts, three were allotted to the Arab state, three to a Jewish state, the town of Yafo was to form an Arab enclave within the Jewish territory, which was adjacent to Tel Aviv, and an international UN trusteeship over Yerushalayim. It's hard to imagine how this could have survived, this tiny three-piece country that would have been Israel, that were connected in, 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 in two places like tiny little corridors. And most of the territory, by the way, that Israel was granted by this was the Negev. It was the Negev, it was the coast, most of the coast, and what they called the Finger of the Galilee, the little area going from the, the northernmost point in Israel down past the Kinneret. That's it. That was Israel. And yet, even though many said we can agree to this, we can't agree to such a small territory. It was after the Holocaust, and David Ben-Gurion said, you know what? We're going to take what we can get now. 
and so on. The twin, and so the Jewish agency, which was the Israeli representatives, they lobbied very hard because even this wasn't clear that it would pass in the UN. They lobbied hard and won, and that's the famous vote on the 29th of November that basically said that by next year, by the next year, the British should slowly retreat and withdraw. And in that space, there would be two uh, states established, a Jewish state and an Arab state. The Palestinians who claim that they want a state and who have been yelling and screaming that since uh, 48 and even more so since 67 and so forth, they had their state. Unfortunately, or fortunately, they said no. They don't want it. All or nothing, they said. Israel said, we'll take what we can get. A lot more to say, but we've run out of time. We're going to end with Amen, which is by request of listener Dahlia. We will tell you a couple of one one important announcement, which is, uh, you might have heard if you listen to the Nachum Siegel Network, about this great unity event that's going to be taking place. And we are so proud to be part of the Nachum Siegel Network which is, you know, I, I think I, I think it would be true to say it's the only multimedia platform in the Jewish world devoted to Jewish unity and a positive outlook on Jewish life. That is the way Nachum has set it up, and that's the way everybody that follows in his footsteps continues. And he continues. And now the Nachum Siegel Network brings the message of Jewish unity to Paris with live broadcasts, from the City of Lights on the Holiday of Lights, Wednesday and Thursday of Hanukkah, James Dan will be broadcasting live from Paris in solidarity, Jewish unity with the uh, Jewish community there. In addition, Nachum Siegel brings a concert of Jewish unity to Paris on Wednesday night, the fourth night of Hanukkah, starring Yehoram Gaon. So the message is clear. When Jewish communities are in challenging situations, there are Jews worldwide who care. We surely believe this. And uh, we congratulate Nachum and wish him great success. And we hope that you will stay tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network and hear all the excitement and um, the beauty of the Jewish unity message that Nachum brings. We will end with Amen, not before we say thank you to all of you for listening. Thank you for your Facebook likes, and there are many. Uh, thanks to Aaron, Donny, Sharona, Miri, Rivka, Gary, Millie. Those are some of the newer Facebook likers, and we thank you all. It's very important. Continue to uh, tell your friends. Thanks to the Naf- <laughs> Thank. That's what happens when you want to talk too fast. You say two words at the same time. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network, and my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, encore presentations of Eternal Flame with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, followed by headlines with David Lichtenstein, and then the great Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, following J.M. and A.M., this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys... Do not finish last, they're just running in a different race. Baby